better, but you don't know what you're talking about. And you say, I know better, but you don't know what you're talking about. And you say, Welcome to WKJP News Radio, the podcast that talks about the 90s sitcom News Radio, one episode at a time. And Kayleen, I'd like to tell you here on the podcast that you are dumped. I'm not dumped. You're dumped. You're dumped. You are the one who's dumped. You're dumped. He's so dumb. You're, oh, she's dumped. He's dumped. <laughs> you can't even dump me, you know. No, I can't. Legally, you're not allowed to dump me. It would be a whole big process for me to dump you. Yep. <laughs> what you're counting on is my aversion to paperwork. <laughs> Today on the show, we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 17, entitled Physical Graffiti. So at the top, I'd like to ask, Keeling, how are you doing? I'm good. I ate vegetables for dinner, so. Nice. <laughs> Making progress. Yeah? I'm, I'm almost an adult. Almost. Yeah. I mean, from the Midwest, like, there's no other acceptable answer that other than. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm more fine now than I've been other times when we did the podcast. So. That's good. Yeah. On a scale of one to ten, how fine are you? Ten being fine. The closer I am to fine. Closer I am to fine. Here we go. Here we go. Tuna. (laughs) Good. I also like to ask, have you been watching anything lately? I actually wrote this down because it's important. Wow. Go ahead. Bridgerton. Bridgerton. Lord and Lady Rumplebottom finally gave. Featherington. Featherington. Featherington sounds as made up. I mean, there's a lot of lords and ladies. Um, no, it was so good. I I watched it too fast though. Like I, it's like a it's like a really delicious cake. You it's just, a bag of Doritos. Oh, that's a bag of Doritos and a piece of cake. I just love it, and then I eat it all in ten minutes later. I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. I loved every second of it. I blacked out. I don't know what happened. It was really good. I you know what's funny is I didn't remember how much I liked it. Like, everybody was like, oh, Bridgerton season two is out. And I was like, nah, nah, whatever. You could take or leave season one, I remember. You being yeah. sort of, like, unimpressed. Yeah, and then I started watching this one, and I'm like, oh, my God, I really am enjoying this. I think part of it is there was way less gratuitous nudity and sex, mm. which, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I like nudity and sex as much as the next person, but mm-hmm. when I feel like it's distracting from the plot yes. or, like, not furthering the plot in any way i'm just like oh my god again right like yeah we've seen this guy's butt like we get it in my mind and i do not want you to correct me on this at all okay this is the illusion i want to live with Mm -hmm. there is no difference between bridgerton and downton abbey Mm -hmm. i knew you were gonna say that (laughs) yeah i mean honestly there's not that much difference in my head either oh really well so i watched downton abbey very quickly also because i it was right after i gave birth to our second and so in the wee hours of the morning and the night and the afternoon when I had a baby sleeping on me and I was nursing around the clock, that's what I did. I watched all the seasons of Downton Abbey right one after the other. Um, and then that was two years ago. And then I haven't watched, then I watched Bridgerton. So yeah, I, in my head, they do kind of all jumble a little bit too. Sure. I won't correct you. You're not wrong. That's fine. It's a good I'm, show. I'm glad you're liking it. Mm-hmm. I really like the diversity of the cast. You talked about this before on the podcast when you were watching The Wheel of Time. Yeah. 
the like what is it what did you call it race blind yeah. casting yeah. I feel like Bridgerton is very much like that is it distracting well. to you no that's great no um I wish I had grown up with more stuff like that yeah like growing up now as an adult I'm realizing how much I really have centered whiteness yeah in my life and just white people are the main characters 100 percent. white people are like drive everything yeah um yeah, like even just like seeing interracial couples is normalized now. Like when I was growing up, I feel like I, I I can't think of a single interracial couple I ever saw on a TV show or movie growing up. Gosh, no. Right? Even even TV shows, it was like all white people or like all black people. Yep. Or if there maybe was an interracial couple, then being an interracial couple was the focus of right attention. Yes. Like, isn't it weird that? This is happening. Yes. Like, there's got to be stress, right. you know, and strain. Right. No, and yeah. Strength. So they don't even acknowledge it. Yeah. Like, in, in uh, Bridgerton season one, the main female character is white, and she's getting married to a, I believe, black man. And then in season two, they show their interracial baby. I guess the only thing that I mean by it being distracting is, like, does that baby look like it could plausibly be the genetic offspring of the two characters? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's that's sometimes it doesn't. Oh, sometimes yeah, that would race be Sometimes race-blind casting can, like, go awry like that, where sure. you're like, well, I don't know how the parents' phenotypes, you know, sure. got into the child's phenotypes. Or is this child adopted? Or, right. Or, yeah, no. that's That's all I mean. No, and there aren't really a lot of children characters. Sure. And to be fair, like most of the characters on Bridgerton are still white, but not all of them and certainly not all the main ones. So there you go. Nice. I wish I had been watching something interesting. Just better call Saul. Yeah, but you really like it. Oh, I love that show. It's so beautiful. Like it's such a beautifully shot show. Kind of like Breaking Bad? Yes, very much so. Does Vince Gill do it? Mm-hmm. That would make sense then. I think a lot of the same people from yeah. Breaking Bad do it, but yeah. like it's just so, it, it, so beautiful to look at. Maybe I'll watch that this summer. Yeah, when I have like a little bit of time and I can just enjoy. Uh, a new season of it just came out on Netflix, so hmm. five seasons. That'll take me a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> the way the pace you go, yes, it would. All right. We also like to ask a question at the top, mm-hmm. and I didn't think of one. <laughs> oh, my God. I've thought of, like, the last three. I know, but you're really good at it. I am. Um, well, as long as we're talking about interracial marriages or couples or what TV shows that you watched growing up had any diversity in them, or what diversity do you remember in any of the shows you watched growing up? See, that's a great question. You're yeah. so good at coming up with the stuff on the fly. I... I'm very good at coming up with games quickly, mm-hmm. like questions quickly. Yeah, you should do improv. I think I wouldn't be bad at improv, actually. I think you would probably be good at it. I don't want to do improv, though. Okay. Like, I, there is a version of me that is does community theater and does maybe even like stand-up. Like there's a part of me that now that you've kind of gotten me into stand-up is like, I could do that. Like I could see, I could totally see the draw, the thrill of stand-up, but yeah. My skin isn't thick enough. I have ugh. absolutely, yeah. and I and I also don't think that I am universally funny enough. Right, I'm only funny to you, and a few other people. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, what characters do you remember? I mean, let's just be straightforward. And probably most of the shows we watched had 
white people as main characters, but do you remember any diversity on any of the shows you watched? So I did watch Family Matters. Like, that was one of my yep. early favorite shows, yep. which has basically an all-black cast. Yeah. Can you think of any white people? No, not off the top of my head. Yeah. I, I think Carl's partner was a white guy because he was a cop. Oh, yep, yep. Um. <laughs> yeah, I actually remember a kid at school saying... Like, because there were four shows on TGIF on Friday nights, and the lineup really changed, of course, but Family Matters was one of them. <laughs> there was a kid at school who was like, yeah, like, two of the shows have all black casts, and two of the shows have all white casts. It's like, that's totally fair. <laughs> <laughs> Racism is dead. <laughs> I mean, but also, like, I can totally understand that thinking. It's also Tennessee in the 90s. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's the same people that are like... You know, when I go to buy a car, black people can buy cars too. Like when I get on a plane, black people can get on planes. I get a job, they get a job. Like right. it's all equal. Separate but equal. <laughs> um, yeah, so we watched Family Matters. I don't think we watched a lot of other shows that had <laughs> any characters that were black. Mm-hmm. I think on Doug, Skeeter was representative of a black character, even though he was like blue (laughs) (laughs) because there are a couple of weird lines in that show where like one of the other characters like, Oh, Skeeter, he's the blue one. Ah, I'm like, that's Uh, weird. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm not coming up with anything. Um, family matters is the one that sticks out in my mind. I watched the Cosby show. See, that was just a little too early for me. I watched that for a little while. I remember there being a lot of diversity on Sesame street. Yes. I mean, that's like when I was very little. It's more of the 80s. But yeah. I remember there being, um, like I watched, this is the, going back to the 70s, but I remember watching Free to Be You and Me. Uh, and there was like a fair amount of diverse cast members. And like I remember there's even a scene where there are like puppet babies hmm. and some of the babies were black. Hmm. And I remember being like, yeah, nice. all the babies. And I remember on Full House, if you remember Harry, Stephanie's little boyfriend was Asian. Yes. Like, did I ever see Asian characters ever on TV shows? DJ made friends with that old black man. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) That had dementia. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he had Alzheimer's. (laughs) Yeah. DJ, let's go watch Howdy Doody. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't believe you remember that episode. Yep. Um, Stephanie had another friend, Teddy, also, and uh, Denise. Mm. Wow, I know you're impressed right now. I have a feeling that my parents are of the class and, you know, region and generation that would definitely say they are not racist, like would be really hurt if someone called them racist. But I have a feeling that they would also say like, yeah, we didn't watch a lot of shows with black people because like, eh, it's not for us. Why would we? Right. You know, that's not for... <laughs> or you wouldn't necessarily realize that, like, oh, when I turn on the TV, everybody I see on the TV looks just like me. Yeah. But that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Say by the Bell. I was thinking about Lisa Turtle. Yep. She was the only black cast member. I guess, like... I guess Mario Lopez yeah, was so like, is Hispanic. Is A.C. Slater supposed to be Hispanic on that show, though? I don't... I don't know. I think so. Maybe. Um, doesn't A.C. stand for, like... Oh, his dad was in the military, and yeah. so it's one of the episodes he says, like, Arthur Cornelius, 
something like that. But I thought the two names were Hispanic names. Like Antonio. And yes, something like that. I could totally be wrong. Hmm. I'm going to look it up. Albert Clifford. Okay, I was wrong. Yeah. Huh. There's your question. Okay, that was wonderful. Thank you. All right, should we get into the episode? Sure. So, this is Physical Graffiti. It aired Sunday, March 24th, 1996. Uh, I did not note that we switched from Tuesday nights to Sunday nights starting at the beginning of 1996. So that's its first that's time better, slot change. Yes, that's a better time slot, isn't it? Do you think so? Sunday night? Yeah. I feel like people watch TV Sunday nights. I don't know. <laughs> what are the viewing habits of anyone anymore? Yeah. Um, the Simpsons was on Thursdays when it first started, but then yeah. it changed to Sundays, and it's been on Sundays for as long as I remember. Hmm. It was written by Josh Lieb and Paul Sims and directed by Patrick Maloney. We have one new number one. We oh, have great. a new Billboard Hot 100. And I'm going to play it for you. I'm ready. Celine Dion. Uh... Because You Loved Me. That's exactly right. Very good. I had this album. I had this album. I listened to this so many times. <laughs> I I love a little Celine. I yes, really do. I, I mean, know. That woman can sing. Yes. Also, she's very funny. If you ever see her in interviews, she's got a really interesting personality. She's very quirky. So I read a really good book about her a few years ago. It was a book by Carl Wilson so he wrote about Celine Dion's album, Let's Talk About Love, for the 33 and a Third series, which is where authors write about um, individual albums. Um, in it, he attempts to critique himself and music criticism in general. So he's sort of taking music criticism, which is his job, to task a little bit. But it was really interesting because it was sort of juxtaposing, you know, what is like cool or acceptable musical taste as opposed yeah. to something like Celine Dion that sells millions and millions of records, but like would never be considered like cool or trendy or anything. Yeah. She's had an interesting life. She was basically, oh, yeah. um, Canada's equivalent of a redneck. Like she was right. from Northern Ontario in this like weird little town. And she was the youngest of, I want to say 12 kids that were in like a performing family. And then she ended up dating her manager, her manager. Who is like 25 years yes. older than her, which, yep. but like in my head, I'm like, that's predatory and gross, Yes. but also they've been married. There's like, I think he died a few years ago or something, mm -hmm. but like they had a long, happy marriage together right. apparently. So then you're like, well, maybe that's okay. <laughs> or was she actually just that deep in the abuse? And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So that's the new number one hit. And it is for a few more weeks, I think. I like Celine. If Celine's on the radio, I won't change it. I'll listen to Celine. Hmm. I don't like the way she says love as love. Yeah, she she <laughs> sings weird. Like, don't get me wrong. She's she's yeah. She's got a weird French Canadian accent. She's got her own style. Yeah. You know what? She's got her own style. I just feel like she's also a really easy target. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. 
I also wanted to mention that uh, this was on Sunday night. The next night, Monday, was the 68th Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. So we just had the Academy Awards a few weeks ago. So it's right about that time of year. I think it's a little weird that it was on a Monday night back then, as is, opposed to the Sunday normal? night. Oh, no, it's know. been on Sunday night for as long as I can remember. I have no idea. Okay. Mm. It was hosted by Whoopi Goldberg. Mm. Do you know what took home the most awards, including Best Picture? What? Braveheart. Yes. You know, I never actually saw that movie. Oh, really? Mm-mm. We watched it in one of my advanced history classes in high school. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right. Just giving a little pop culture context here. All right. Moving on, the synopsis. So I had been using the synopses from Wikipedia, but I decided I wanted to use the one from IMDb because I think this is much funnier. (laughs) So the one on IMDb says, quote, Dave finally confronts Lisa about her relationship with Stuart, but his actions have dire consequences. Joe helps Bill and Catherine wage a prank war against each other. But why? <laughs> <laughs> Great mystery. Yeah. Although it kind of does um, ruin the mystery. I mean, the very minor mystery of the episode, which is you don't realize that Joe is causing them to fight each other. You can see he's playing them off of each other, but you don't realize oh, no, that. no, you totally realize he's causing it. Well, he's playing them off of each other, but you don't realize that he's doing it. Ultimately, as revenge. His own revenge. You don't understand his motives. Right. Right. But, like, it's very clear that, you know, Catherine doesn't know how to find a porn star's picture and put Bill's face on it. Sure. <laughs> and vice versa. A star porn. All right. In the first scene, Lisa is talking on the phone to Stuart. Again, Stuart must just be the funniest guy in the world because Lisa it's cannot annoying. talk to him without cracking up. It's annoying. I still remember the joke he made from earlier in this season when, or maybe it was last season, when <laughs> you said, like, what is he doing on there? Like, waka, 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 boring? <laughs> yeah. Well, is that what I said? <laughs> I just, there's nothing. Honk, honk, wazoo! <laughs> That's gonna. She's like, oh, you're so funny. He's so funny. Well, and then even Beth starts laughing, and she doesn't even talk to him. She's like, oh, you're talking to Stuart. Yeah. Well, she wants to like. She wants Lisa to say something to Stuart for Beth. That Lisa says hi. Yeah. Or that Beth says hi. Yeah. So Dave is overhearing this, and I like the way that Dave says. That was Stuart. Mm-hmm. Stuart who? Stuart, Lisa's ex-boyfriend. Oh, sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Dave actually does call back to a few episodes ago where Lisa gave Stuart money for a song called Come Back Lisa. Um, Lisa tries to pass that off as a joke, and Dave asks what kind of man records a song as a joke. Well, and also accepts $3,000 from his ex-girlfriend to record it. Funny. (laughs) Haha, big joke. Yeah, hilarious. Uh, Matthew steps in. Weird Al Yankovic. That actually was a good comeback. Mm Mm-hmm. So to make him feel better, Bill quotes some fortune cookies at Dave. Mighty Oaks from Little Acorns Grow. Yeah, that's a real thing. <laughs> I know it is, before. but it's so condescending. It's pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Dave's the Little Acorn. Oh, I didn't get it. Oh, thank you. For, <laughs> thank you, Jordan. Oh, sarcasm. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also says, envy not that which need not be possessed. That's kind of wise. Hmm. It's a fortune cookie. He also says, I know. Happy, lucky, big time for you and family. 
This was the era of English. Do you remember English? Yes, I do. It's probably in not great taste now, looking back, but I did really enjoy the English phenomenon. Not necessarily the idea that like people in other countries can't speak our language right, but I just like the idea that there was this cultural mismatch. Like One of my favorites was... So English, for people who don't remember, was a website devoted to showing the use of English um, by people in Asian countries. English was often like a status symbol on clothing or something. It was on like, I mean, still is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the same way that you see like Chinese characters on people's bodies. Yeah, <laughs> tattoos. Right. Yeah. My favorite was uh, a t-shirt that had a teddy bear on it and it said, my mother's name is Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. So Lisa says that Dave is jealous. Jealous. Dave says that Lisa is stringing Stuart along. Basically, they're both right, and everyone is trying to tell them that they're both right throughout the whole episode. Yeah, I wrote down on my paper, everyone sucks here. Yeah. Like, they go back and forth. Like, Lisa is not great, and then Dave is not great, and... Yeah, so we can get into the nitty-gritty in a little bit. So at the end of the scene, Matthew tries to talk to Mr. James. I love Matthew's attempt at conversation with Mr. James. He says, things are getting a little rocky around here. Rockier than a rock concert. (laughs) And Mr. James just shoots him this completely blank, uninterested look, and he tells him to take three steps back. And uh, Matthew does. I hate it. And what happens, Kayleen? I hate it. I hate it all. I hate... (laughs) God. I don't know what I hate more. I don't know if I hate it or... Your grin. I don't even, I, I do find the pratfalls funny, but it's mostly my enjoyment comes from seeing how much you hate the pratfalls. I know. <laughs> I hate it. After the credits, uh, Bill has rigged Catherine's headphones to play salsa music. She holds up her headphones and says, what is this? And he says, ah, salsa, the pulse of the Caribbean. <laughs> uh, so apparently they're engaged in some sort of prank war. Um, earlier he had glued her pencils together. So Bill leaves the booth, and Joe offers to help Catherine get revenge. Matthew comes in to talk to Dave, um, trying to make him feel a little bit better. He says, you know, I'm no stranger to girl trouble. If only I was, right? Uh, So Matthew tells Dave that, uh, yeah, he really is jealous. He's a regular big moose. What does that mean? It's from the Archie comics. Yeah, no. You know what Archie comics are. Archie, Veronica. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Jughead. Big Moose is the guy who's always beating up other people for talking to his girl, Midge. Oh, okay. Toxic masculinity. (laughs) That sounds pretty toxic. It does. That doesn't sound good. In the break room, Lisa tells Dave that she's going to get coffee with Stuart, so she'll miss the uh, assignment meeting. Uh, Dave sort of, I'm going to get your take on this, but he tells her that he'll just give her assignments to Matthew. Is he being passive aggressive there? 100%. I wrote petty power move. Ooh, okay. 100%. That's 7 o'clock in the morning. They have meetings at 7 in the morning. Yeah. That's stupid. I'm like, how? They go home and it's dark. Yeah. I think they work long hours. I'm sure they do, but 7, no. They do not have a 7 o'clock meeting. I guess my question is, what is he supposed to do with the assignments? Like, he can't wait an hour? And then they lose an hour of productivity because Lisa's not in because she's getting coffee. I mean, I feel like he just decided right then that like, like probably what happens is they normally meet at eight and he just decided right then like, oh no, we're meeting at seven. 
just to make her feel bad. Maybe. But also, who who gets coffee at 7 in the morning? I don't know. That's very early. Yeah. We're drinking coffee at 7, but that's because our kids are up at 6. that's true. I mean, honestly, if somebody was like, meet me for coffee at 7, I could could get myself up and out the door without that much trouble. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it felt like a really petty move. Mm, Interesting. I thought she was overreacting, to be honest. I thought she was. I Well, I also think, like, yeah, like, she does not have an appropriate relationship with her ex. That's true. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with, wrong with being friends with your exes. And if I were dating somebody and I felt like, I don't know, like, I can totally understand how he would feel really insecure. Yeah. And then it feels really unfair to say that he's jealous. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then she's talking to him at work three times a day. I don't talk to anybody that that much. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's crazy. No, it's supposed to be like you have walls in your relationship where they, they're just places you don't share that are not appropriate to share. And you have windows where it is okay. Right. And if you have an ex, you need to have the right number of walls and windows. Mm. I like that analogy. Yeah, I know you do. There you go. So Lisa and Beth start sort of commiserating. Beth insists that Lisa is in fact stringing Stuart along like a cheap kite. Um, Lisa gets really defensive and says all the reasons why Stuart is not a good match for her. And Dave is. In fact, Dave is a much more compatible. (laughs) A much more what? Compatible. Barf. Stewart is a terrific guy, yes, okay, but he's also completely self-absorbed, totally irresponsible, and quite frankly, Dave is much, much more compatible for me. Lover. Lover. <laughs> the idea of them having sex is yuck. Like, just, I, I don't just see picture it that way. in I, your mind yeah, right I now. I don't, I don't see it that way. I just don't think, I think that Lisa's a very nice looking lady. Dave just looks sad. He just looks sad. I mean, they both have sad eyes kind of. So there you go. Yeah. Lover. Lover. I wrote down lover is a weird word. Like technically you're my lover. Mm -hmm. I've had many lovers in my life. You're my favorite. Thank you. (laughs) It just sounds like lover. It just sounds. Yeah. Bad. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, lover's the come not to, a great word. Come to bed, lover. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always going to remind me of a couple of things. One is uh, when Kirk Van Houten, uh, Millhouse's dad, mm-hmm. gets a divorce on The Simpsons and he's hanging out at the bar with Starla. Do you remember? <laughs> this kind of trashy lady he's hanging out at the bar with. I just remember, doesn't he, like, he makes a single called, yes. like... Can I borrow a feeling? Right. Can I borrow, can I, can you lend me a jar of love? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. He's hanging at the bar with Starla and she says, can I have the keys to the car, lover? I want to go change my wig. (laughs) So that's, that's one use of lover. And the other is that SNL sketch with, what is it? Will Ferrell and Rachel Dratch where they're in the hot tub. Yes. And they keep like, hello, lover. (laughs) Okay, lover. Yeah. They're like... (laughs) And they're with another couple or yes. something. Yes, yeah. Yes. That's a good sketch. That was it. So, yeah, the word lover, I, I don't think it can be redeemed. Yeah. I feel bad because, like, we have to have a word for that concept, but that's not the one. I mean, 
is the, what is the definition of a lover? Someone you are intimate with yeah. physically? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's pretty simple and yeah. straightforward. So Beth introduces a new word. Bitch cakes. Bitch I don't cakes. like that. You didn't like that? No. Bee cakes? I don't like cakes. I told you I had an ex-boyfriend who would call me baby cakes. Uh. I always hated it. <laughs> Ugh. It made me feel fat. Ah. <laughs> uh. Baby fat. Fat cakes. I guess with bitch cakes, I think of like rice cakes. No. Yeah. I don't like it. The news radio fan community really likes bitch cakes, mm. and we'll throw that around. It's the um, fetch of news radio. Oh, okay. Beth is trying to make it happen. Mm. In the next scene, Bill is complaining about Catherine connecting his phone to the salsa radio station. Uh, he's coming in and talking to Dave. I like how they start listening to the radio station, and then they both casually know the answer to the question. No, it's Catherine. Go ahead, dial my phone extension. Go ahead. Somehow she's arranged for all my calls to be forwarded to this. It's that damn salsa station. This has gone too far. Oh, uh, uh, yo lo sé, yo lo sé. Un momento. Uh, what, what was Tito Puente's first group? La Cuesta de Machito. La Cuesta del Machito. Correcto. Ganaste 94 dólares. Felicidades. What are you doing? We just won $94. I also like that Dave just very casually uses Spanish. I know. I think being bilingual is so cool. I know. I'm so envious of people who can just switch. You're like almost bilingual. I have some knowledge of other languages, but there is no one other language that I... You're an amateur polyglot? Yes. That's a very nice way to put it. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm a monoglot. Mm-hmm. A one tongue. I only have one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, the only thing, again, with Tito Puente, I think of The Simpsons when Tito Puente was one of the uh, suspects in Who Shot Mr. Burns. Senior Burns! Oh, yeah. That's right. You referenced The Simpsons quite a bit. I reference. you have tonight. It's it's deep in my head. It's I know. It's deep in my heart. Mm-hmm. I do like the way that Bill comes in and starts talking to Dave. And Dave says, I know, she's constantly talking to Stuart. He goes, screw your problem. We're talking about me. It's in a very appropriate multi-use phrase. So anyway, Bill exits the booth and he enlists Joe's help against Catherine. In the next scene, uh, Dave suggests to Lisa that they have dinner together with Stuart. It turns out he's already contacted Stuart and booked it. That's weird. not yep. cool. That's weird. That's like the third red flag of the episode. Yeah. Like, that's not cool. Calling up her ex-boyfriend to be like, hey, we should all have dinner. I mean, I guess as somebody who likes to... Hash it all out? Yeah. I'm not a passive person. I would much rather just talk it out um so in that respect i kind of appreciate it yeah but yeah he shouldn't do that after the fact like lisa should be involved in that decision right yes so matthew has had something emailed to him from someone at uh freakzilla at scopenet.com so he says hey beth want to see something and she says internet and he says yeah she says internet one of paul sims i think favorite jokes Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. Catherine comes over to see what he's looking at. Um, apparently, it is 
our first 1990s internet porn. Yep, that's right. I wonder how long it took to download this one image. Did that thing where it like shows you one line, well, like, then the what, line right below it, and the what, line of pixels right below it. Which version of Photoshop did Joe use to <laughs> combine these two images together? Yeah, 1.0. <laughs> he used, <laughs> yep. he used MS Paint. <laughs> yeah. He actually cut and pasted and then took a picture. But they didn't even have digital pictures back then. I guess they kind of did. You'd have to scan it. Right. To turn it into an image. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, apparently it's Catherine's head on a porn star's body. Um, I like the way she kind of like bangs at the keyboard. <laughs> like, <laughs> I noticed that too. I was like, what does she think that's going to do? Like, get this out. It definitely reminds me of the way Tom P. Baxter poked at the keyboard. Oh, like, right. <laughs> I don't really know what I'm doing with this thing, but I'm going to like bang at the keys. <laughs> yes. So they call Joe over and he gets a kick out of that. And she says, Joe, get this off there. Get it off there, okay? You can't take something off the internet. What? It's like trying to take pee out of a swimming pool. It's in there. It's in there. A really good line. It's as true today as it was back in 1996. It's less true now than it was then. I think that there is more... There are more ways to get things off the internet now. Mm. But, yes. Still true that you should not put anything on the internet that you don't want to last forever. Yeah, right. So once again, after this, Catherine and Joe begin plotting together. I just wanted to point out that um, Matthew has a Barnum and Bailey can on his desk that holds that. pens. Yeah, my grandma had the exact same one. Hmm. She probably still does. I wonder. Yeah, probably for animal crackers. Yes, I believe it was. In the next scene, Bill comes storming into Dave's office. He shows him a photo from the internet. It is his head on a body with a... Vagina. Vagina, apparently. Um, so Although it's weird that he's like, I don't have one of those talking about a vagina because more often I feel like men are very dick-centric. You'd think he'd be more like, where, where, is, my, where is my penis? Where did not, it go? Like a vagina is not a having thing. It's a not having thing. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's, yeah, that's a it's very... It's a lack of thing. It's a phallogocentric way to look at things. It is. But... Which I would think that most men, especially, would be more inclined to look at it like that. <laughs> You're right. Uh, so Bill is concerned that, quote, every Star Trek geek and internet goon on the internet is looking at it. I don't... Why? Like, what did... It... <laughs> I, I guess a, the internet was... just a random naked woman? And the internet Star was Trek, smaller. Well, and do Star Trek, Trek geeks, are they disproportionately on the internet looking at porn, maybe? I, I believe they're, they're disproportionately on the internet at this point. Mm. Star Trek geeks are internet goons. Oh, <laughs> I okay. guess. I don't know. Anyway, Bill storms out and Matthew comes in and Dave shows Matthew the picture, shows him the body first, and then lifts it up to show him the head. And I just love Andy Dick's face acting when he's like, oh, yeah, and then sees Bill's head on and goes, oh. (laughs) In the next scene, Dave and Lisa are in the same restaurant, even the same booth, as Dave and Mr. James were in Bitch Session. I wrote that awful booth. <laughs> that awful booth. That's right. It feels like a cheap prop for a play, for yes. a high school play. It does. Like, we're in a restaurant and we need a booth. <laughs> Let's pull this one out. Mm-hmm. You've got Martin Luther behind us. Yeah. They're both congratulating themselves on being mature. Dave's saying, like, hey, a jealous guy wouldn't be here. 
And she's like, hey, you know, a stringer longer wouldn't be doing this. Uh, so Stuart shows up. I know. I couldn't believe we actually saw him. Yeah. Also, I wrote down, he has a pierced ear, is wearing a necklace, and has multiple rings on. Yes. This is not who I pictured him being. So did you get a kind of gay vibe from no. Stuart? No. no, you didn't? No, but also it's 2022. Right. So a pierced ear, rings, and necklace do not imply anything about a man's sexuality, I don't think. I mean, for 1996. Yeah, he maybe. had an open shirt, a necklace, multiple rings, sure. a wispy little goatee. Sure. I think he was supposed to kind of look like rock guy or like musician right. or like something, but he just looked like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I thought he looked more hippie. Like he looked like he smelled like patchouli. Oh, okay. He looked to me like someone who would be working at a pawn shop. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> That's his other job. Yeah. So, do you know who Stuart is? I'm sure you'll tell me. So, that was Wallace Langham, who was Jeff, the new sports guy from the pilot episode. Hmm. Same actor. I had forgotten that we ever meet Stuart, so this was so I guess new he's information not coming to back. me. Um, Don't tell me. Don't tell me anything. <laughs> so, he the first thing he says to Dave is, oh, you must be Dan. And Dave says, well, Dave actually. He goes, oh, yeah, I know. Like such a dick. Oh move. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just right away. Again, weird power play. Oh, right away, they've got that like dude energy that's just so. Ugh, I just can't stand it. So Stuart kind of slides into the booth, and they're sitting there super awkwardly. Uh, Stuart compares Dave to a guy named Howie Maxwell, but we never really learn what right. the comparison point there is. I mean, I guess the point of this whole conversation is for us to just sort of feel the sense of history between Lisa and Stuart and how back like they are able to just finish each other's sentences or they don't even have to say something for them both to understand what they're talking about and she and Dave aren't at that place in their relationship at all and I'm sure that's going to make him feel insecure and you know oh that's such a great point that was not what I was thinking of I was thinking of it's putting us in his shoes and making us feel the awkwardness of not knowing what they're talking about, feeling like excluded from something that's passing between them. Right. Well, yeah. And like that, that adds into Dave's jealousy, uneasiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you don't have conversations like that with people that you don't know really, really well. Yeah. So Lisa hasn't seen Stuart in two months. Um, Stuart asks, so what's going on with you two? Do we hear wedding bells? And she laughs way too hard, way too quickly at that. Um, she says, well, we haven't talked about it. It's, you know, we've only been dating six months. So that's one of the first times we get like an actual number on how long right, Lisa and right. Dave have been seeing each other. So that really means he's been working at the radio station for about six months. Because I mean, they started dating like almost immediately. Pretty much, like. yeah. yeah. So Dave gets up to go to the restroom, and he meets the weird men's room attendant, a guy named... God, that sounds so awful. I'm so glad that's not a thing in... Well, maybe I don't go to fancy restaurants, but I've never seen, like, a women's attendant in a bathroom. A matron? <laughs> I guess. Um, I think I have maybe once, once or twice. Um, but, yeah, I just ignored him. Yeah, it's the most awkward thing ever. Station a person in a room that people go to for privacy. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah, um, there is at least a passage, if not sort of a an entire 
short story by David Foster Wallace about a character who is the men's room attendant and like what that situation is like for him. Like, mm-hmm. yep, your job is to stand here in this bathroom all day. God. Yeah. That's uh, played by an actor named John Apicella. Um, he's been in things still working, still has credits on IMDb as recently as 2020. Um, he was in things like the X-Files, the West Wing, just little things here and there. Mm-hmm. I didn't recognize him from anything. Uh, but yeah, he, he's a, he's a weird dude. He tries to offer Dave advice. Oh uh, yeah. Super creepy. <laughs> oh, thank you. Tough night, huh? Oh, oh yeah. Woman troubles. That obvious, huh? Hey, I've been there. Mm-hmm. It's tough. No, you're not kidding. Can I give you some advice? Oh, sure. How much do you love her? Qu- uh, well, qu- quite a bit, actually. Uh, quite a bit. Well, tell her how you feel. Well, I, I, I think I have. Well, then, uh, tell her what your needs are. I, I, I believe I've done that. Uh, then, uh, the only thing left to do is to lock her out of the house, throw all her crap out on the front lawn, and set her car on fire. <laughs> okay. Uh, I should probably leave here now. Uh, thank you very much. It's just a way to get Dave out of the scene so something can happen off screen between Lisa and Stuart. Well, I wrote down, why didn't we get to hear that conversation between them? That would be so much more... Interesting. Interesting. But again, I get that like this is meant to be a comedy and some you know somebody pouring their heart out to someone else. Like Maybe that's not funny. Like, right. You know. This is another case where we are so much in Dave's shoes in this show. Mm-hmm. Like Dave is really the character that we're supposed to feel the most affinity with. And like we're seeing things largely from his perspective. Mm-hmm. He comes back. Stuart is gone. Apparently Stuart told Lisa that he wanted to get back together while Dave was in the restroom. Like what a dick move. Like that's really awful. Like oh, waiting yeah. for the boyfriend to leave saying, Hey, we should get back together. And then, and then leaving. And then yeah. she's like, I don't know. And he's like, <laughs> walks away. Yeah. So Dave asks, and apparently Lisa didn't turn him down, which makes Dave angry because you would think that she would like reject him. Like right. if we're really something, she and I, it Dave and Lisa, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so he's angry. He tries to leave. Lisa makes him sit down, then throws her napkin, and she storms off herself. Mm-hmm. In the next scene, Mr. James comes into the office. He has clearly seen the photos of both Bill and Catherine. He ends up calling them into the break room to hash out the feud. Um, first he hears from them, and then he calls in, Gorelli, get in here. So Joe comes in, and Bill says, Your name is Gorelli? Which ends up being kind of a running joke on the show. Nobody nobody knows his last name. Mm. He's just Joe to everybody. And so every time somebody mentions his last name, people are surprised to hear it. So it turns out it was Joe working both sides, Catherine versus Bill. Aren't Bill and Catherine, like, I don't, are they that dumb? Yes, I, they must be. <laughs> I mean, do they really think that, I don't know. I just, to me, it seemed very obvious. Like, how would Bill know how to put her face on a picture and then email it and how would Catherine know how to send his voice messages to a radio station like right. these are all tech yes things. like they don't have the skills to do these things yes who do they know that does right right i mean even if they don't realize it's joe they should at least realize like 
this is not. He's, they're always like, oh, it was Bill. Oh, it was Catherine. I'm like, really? He glued your pencils together. So that's the skill level we're working with here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So it turns out Joe was working with both of them. Uh, and this was to avenge them eating his tuna fish sandwich. So wildly out of proportion to the actual, to the actual crime. I don't know. I'd be pretty upset if somebody ate my lunch, especially if it was like a good lunch. I mean, a tuna fish sandwich doesn't sound like a good lunch. Maybe it was like special tuna fish or something. From the same place as the gelato? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> you know those stores that sell right. tuna fish and gelato? <laughs> One thing I want to point out is that when Bill and Catherine are both complaining to Mr. James, um, Bill says, she stole my gender. And Catherine says... Petty theft. It's a yeah. pretty corny little joke. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I, 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 I caught it. I think actually The Simpsons actually uses that joke a few years later as an example of like corny sitcom writing. I'm going to see if I can find that clip and drop it in here. Hey, there is one thing we could do. <gasps> Please, no, it's prime time. Rob me of my manhood. That's petty theft. Don't go there. Don't go there. We'll be right back. Uh, So as Catherine and Bill leave the break room, Bill turns to Joe and says, I'll deal with you later. And Joe says, no, you won't. (laughs) I really did like that. (laughs) Bill goes, no, I won't. So Joe admits to Mr. James that he doesn't have a lot going on. He's an electrician at a radio station. Um, but he doesn't feel bad saying that to Mr. James because he knows Mr. James' pin code. But it turns out that Mr. James knows Joe's pin code as well because he owns a lot of banks. I learned from IMDb that Mr. James tells Joe his pin is 3825, and on a standard telephone, those digits spell out the word fuck. Hmm. I tried to see if the other pin code, the one that's Joe's spelled out anything, but it doesn't look like it did. Five, four, seven, nine. I couldn't make a word out of that. Hmm. So in Dave's office, Dave and Lisa are having a talk. She comes in and tells him that she had a long talk with Stuart. Um, he asks her how long the talk went. She lies and says it didn't last as long as it did and gives him a hard time saying he can't trust anyone, but he calls her out because he had staked out her apartment and Stuart didn't leave until 5 a.m. Bad on both sides once again. Yep. I mean, if someone left the apartment at 5 a.m., I would worry that they were not up there talking. Oh, absolutely. I don't know if that was, like, implied and I'm just being dumb by trying to put too fine a point on that, but it seems to me that's the concern. Dave is clearly worried that, like, they're fooling around or whatever. But it also, Lisa doesn't seem like the type that would lie about cheating. Like, if she did cheat on him, I feel like she would own up to it. She wouldn't hmm. hide it. Yeah, but she's pretty reflexively lying about how long it took to have this conversation with Stuart. Right. Hmm. So she says, let's talk about this later. She actually tries to de-escalate a little bit. She's like, I'm going to be out here working. And he makes a really rude comment. Yeah, that was not cool. That was not cool. So he says, if Stuart comes around looking to get some, I'll tell him where you were. Um, IMDB points out that... His line is not synchronized to his lips, so Mm. he probably gave another line there. Right. I'm not sure what it is. I, you know, I can't read lips. Right. I assumed it was something more like if Stuart comes by looking to get laid or something, and they were like 
standards and practices oh, were like, you can't say get laid. Too much. Yeah. yeah. Look, maybe we should talk about this later. All right. I will be out here working. Okay, so if Stuart comes by looking to get some, I'll direct him to your desk. <laughs> what? You're dumped. No, no, you, you are dumped. You are no, dumped. No, no, you are dumped. You are. You're dumped. You're, oh, she's dumped. <laughs> Anyway, so Lisa flips out. Uh, she tells him he's dumped. Uh, he tells her she's dumped. She storms out of the office and then storms back in, taking off her shirt, um, and she throws it at him. Uh, but it was so clearly a woman's shirt. I know. She says it's his shirt and that she's returning it. I but mean, like, like unless she had that thing tailored to fit her, that is a woman's shirt. Yeah, it's so clearly a woman's, uh, yeah. designed to fit a woman's form. Like it form. has darts in the front for boobs. Mm-hmm. I looked. Uh, Lisa storms through the office uh, in her bra. Uh, she walks by Bill and then walks back to him and he looks up and she slaps him and he goes, I didn't say anything. And she says, you were thinking it. And he goes, Meh, fair enough. And that's where the episode ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a surprise ending. Yeah, you didn't see that coming? No. The breakup? Yeah, but part of me is like they're going to get back together or something. I don't know. We've been faked out by breakups twice already in this show. We yeah. had an episode called The Breakup. Right. And then we had the intimation that they were going to break up mm-hmm. in a different episode. So, yeah. This looks real know. this time. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like is their relationship that important to the like plot of this show? I don't know. Mm. I still don't understand why they have a relationship, what the point of it is. What's supposed to happen with it? So yeah. I was surprised. It felt like a bold move. I wasn't expecting it. So I like that. Yeah. I like a bold move. Yeah. So do you want to rate the plot lines? I mean, there were only two. Yeah. So which one did you like better? Oh, definitely the jealousy. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I don't really care for like prank war type plot lines. I don't either. Yeah. I, I think but we're not really prank people. We're definitely not prank people. Yeah. No. I mean, I can appreciate pranks and I yeah. can see why they can be funny. And I, I think ones that, you know, don't hurt anyone and are all in good fun or whatever are, um, are great. But I just, I don't have interest in p- pranking people. I'm not a practical joke person. Yeah. No. Nope. Okay. Well, in that case, it's now time for... Yo, it's the 90s. All right, so I have a few of these. Do you want me to run through first, or do I, you want to do it? I only it? had two. Okay, why don't you go? I had the, um, when Catherine says that it's LaToya's body. Yeah. <laughs> in the picture. Do you know anything about LaToya Jackson? I mean, I know what she looks like. You do? Yeah. Oh, okay. She's, like, super petite. Oh. I don't know. I do not know. I, yeah. I know her as the sister of Michael Jackson. Yeah. She's also a singer. Hmm. I mean, they're all kind of singers. But yeah. yeah. Um, and then the reference to Weird Al. Oh, yeah. Good catch with Weird Al. I have a few others. One is that uh, Beth says she's going to go fax the word bitch cake around mm. and see how long it takes for the word to show up on Melrose Place. Oh, right. Melrose Place. Yeah. So Dave also accuses Bill of seeing coded references to himself in the Unabomber's manifesto. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah, they seem to like the Unabomber in this show. We've pointed that out before. And when Matthew's trying to get Lisa to look at something on the computer, she goes, what is it, more cheesecake shots of Terry Hatcher? That's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Was was the... 
Lois and Clark on during this show? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because that was Terry Hatcher's like. It might have ended thing. at this point. Terry Hatcher was on Seinfeld. Yes, she was. They're real and they're spectacular. <laughs> yep, that's right. What else was she in? Real uh, Desperate Housewives. Uh, sure, much later. Mm, the early two thousands. Early two thousands. Yeah, but I mean that show ran for a long time. No, sure. I just don't. I can't think of much that she did between Lois and Clark and Desperate Housewives. I mean, it, there wasn't a huge gap in between those, I don't feel like. Like, maybe four years. Really? Maybe. Huh. I thought it was more like ten. Hmm. I don't know. The world may never know. <laughs> Great. Well, I can't think of anything else, which means it's now time for... My game. All right, Jordan. So in news radio, Lisa has an ex named Stuart that we've heard about many, many times. Yep. The category tonight is Stuart. Stuart. Mm-hmm. Great. Question number one. Okay. It's been written that this woman has a, quote, mini arc at her Bedford, New York estate, and throughout her life has owned at least 20 cats, 25 dogs, 10 chinchillas, scores of canaries and parakeets, Two ponies, three donkeys, ten horses, many sheep and goats, hundreds of chickens, geese, turkeys, guinea fowl, quail, peacocks, and homing pigeons. Jeez. I know the answer to this one, which is is Martha Stewart. Very good. And the reason I know that is because a few days ago she posted on Instagram about how her dogs had killed her cat or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I saw that. I heard that secondhand. Yes, but she was kind of like... That sucks. Yeah. They started they started chasing her cat, but dogs chase cats. And yeah. It's a circle of life. Sometimes dogs kill cats. That's rough. Tragic. Mm-hmm. Question number two. Stuart Smalley, a character from SNL, frequently said this self-affirmation. Um, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. And he was played by... Uh, Senator Al Franken of Minnesota. Very good. Yeah. Former senator. Yes. Question number three. This was week, it doggone it or was it gosh darn it? I I have darn it here. Okay. But I think it's been. I think you said it a few different ways. Mm. Every now and then, just to make just to mix it up. Yep. Question number three. This musician released his thirty second album, The Tears of Hercules, in two thousand twenty one. <laughs> the Tears of Hercules. Yep. Um, I do not know the answer, so I'm going to guess Rod Stewart. It is Rod Stewart. <laughs> 32 albums. That's yeah. amazing, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. The, te- the Tears of Hercules. Even strong men cry, Jordan. Woof. All right. Question number four. The book Stuart Little was written by whom? That would be E.B. White. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he of Strunk and White. Hmm. Wrote the elements of style. Okay. I was always partial to the trumpeter Swan. It was, it was uh, no, sorry, it was the trumpet of the Swan, and it was about 
I read that in first grade. Did you? I have a very clear memory of my teacher letting me read that book while the other kids were having their like reading lesson on the rug. Oh yeah. That sounds so bougie, but no, it's true. I, I remember reading that book. He was a good writer. Mm-hmm. He wrote Charlotte's Web too, right? E.B. White? No idea. Wasn't that Charlotte's Web? No idea. I believe so. Mm-hmm. I think Wilbur wrote Charlotte's Web. All right, question number five. Kristen Stewart was nominated for a Best Actress Academy Award for her performance in what movie? Oh, she portrayed Princess Diana, and I think it was called... It was like Diana's last name, right? Which I can't think of right now. Diana Spencer, so it would have been Spencer. Spencer, very good. Yeah, that was good. Question number six. I mean, still doesn't hold a candle to her earlier work in Twilight Twilight movies. Right, I know. I will say, I'm really, like, for having started out with such a cheesy career, I watched Spencer. It was very good. I mean, she she can only go up right in terms of acting ability. I just (laughs) she I I would love to make fun of her, but I she has some redeeming qualities, I'll put it that way. All right, question number six. This Irish actor that played Dorian Gray in the Alan Moore's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was originally cast to play Aragon in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but was fired the day before shooting was to begin. That's a great question. Um, first, it's Aragorn. Aragon is a region in Spain. So he was fired and replaced by Vigo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. I do not know. Um, an actor named Stuart. I don't know. Who is it? Stuart Townsend. Hmm. I do not know who that is. No idea either, but his name is Stuart. I'll look him up afterward. Yeah, it sucks. He went through, like, months of training and stuff. And then, like, the day they were start going to start, they decided to go in a totally different direction. And Viggo Mortensen is way grittier yes. and, like, 20 years older. Yeah. And they just decided to take the character a different way. And he just got I mean, I, I cannot imagine Strider as anybody but Viggo Mortensen in that movie. Sure. But, I mean, it also sucks for that guy. Oh, totally. To be like, well, I bet I'm sure there was a part of him that wanted him to screw it up. <laughs> But nope, that we made a good call. He charged into Peter Jackson's office with a sword. Question number seven. How many years did Patrick Stewart play Jean-Luc Picard on Star Trek The Next Generation? Well, I guess it depends on what you mean. Like, how many seasons of that show were there? I guess so. I mean, there were seven seasons. Was that show on for seven years? Yeah. So is your answer seven? 86 to 93. That seems about right. But he also played it in the movies. I don't know how many movies. Star Trek The Next Generation, the TV show. Yeah, that was that went for seven seasons. So your answer is seven. Correct. That is the correct answer. Okay. Why are you hedging then? Because <laughs> I was hoping I would throw you off your game, but no, I didn't. Well, he was also in a few movies where he played Jean-Luc Picard. He's also in Picard, which we talked about. I know. That's why I said Star Trek The Next Generation, the TV show. Okay. Okay, question number eight. The screenplay for Stuart Little, the animated film released in 1999, was co-written by this screenwriter more typically known for his supernatural plots and twist endings. M. Night Shyamalan? Yeah. Really? He co-wrote Stuart Little. Huh. Right? I know. 
So two Stuart Little questions? Well, one was the book and one was the movie. There aren't that many Stuarts out there. I guess that's true. Question number nine. Stuart, a character from Mad TV, frequently said this catchphrase. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I had friends in high school who did this impression. My friend Chris and my friend John would do this impression all the time. He would say, no. Stuart would. But that's not his catchphrase. I don't know what his catchphrase is. I'm so embarrassed. I can't remember it. I can't believe you don't know it. Look what I can do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. He would do, he would, he would say that. But then he would also, <laughs> they'd try to like stop yeah, him from doing something. He'd be like, no. Oh, yeah. But that's, yeah. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. We were looking for, look what I can do. Yeah. Question number 10. Stuart. <laughs> Yo, get back here, You'll Stuart. get back here, Stuart. <laughs> oh, naughty boy. Question number 10. Stuart Island is this country's third largest island. Stuart Island. Um, I normally know a lot about islands. I know. You're very good at geography. Can you give me some sort of hint? I don't know. I do not know the answer. Stewart Island? Mm-hmm. It's this country's third largest island. Okay. So it's a country with several islands. It's in the Southern Hemisphere. Does that help? New Zealand? You got it. Yeah? I'll give you a point five because I helped. Yeah, that's fine. That's totally fine. So, like, they've got, like, the North Island and the South Island. Are the two, aren't those the two main ones? Probably. And then I wonder what Stewart Island is. The third largest. Uh-huh, but where is that in relation? Nearby. Mm. <laughs> Jordan, you have 8.5 out of 10. Nice. Good job. Good Thank job, you. Stuart. Thank you. If there are any Stuarts out there listening, write in. Tell us how you're doing. Tell us what you think of having the villain of the show. Be named Stuart. Is he a villain? No, he's not the villain. He's, don't tell me anything. He's made up like a villain. I don't agree with that. <laughs> he's not dressed and apportioned like someone I would trust. Hmm. Time for recommendations. Let's do it. Kayleen, I, would you like to go first? I go first. Okay. I am going to recommend an author, and the author's name is Mary Roach. If you have not read anything by Mary Roach... This is your homework assignment because you will like at least one of her books. If you like nonfiction, I guess, um, her probably best known book is called Stiff, The Curious Lives of Human Cadavers, which is all about dead human bodies and what they can be used for and have been used for <laughs> throughout time. Um, it is a fascinating, fascinating book. Um, I have read I think all of her books and I own most of them as well. She has one called spook, which is about uh, sort of the history of supernatural investigations, paranormal stuff. Yeah. Uh, she has one called bonk, which is about the uh, sort of the history of science and sex. Um, she has one called packing for Mars, which is the only one I don't like the title of because it doesn't have a singular word, yep. but that one is about, I guess, being an astronaut mm -hmm. going into space. Uh, 
She has one called Gulp. Don't help me. <laughs> she has one called Gulp, which is like the history or information about food, I want to say. This is all the top of my head. I didn't Yeah, this is impressive. Yeah. You're like a Mary Roach expert. I, I don't think I'm an expert. I just really love her style of writing. Um, I'm currently reading her most recent book, which is called Fuzz. And it's sort of the intersection of nature and law and how human beings sort of try to regulate uh, nature through our own artificial judicial systems. <laughs> I just started it, but it's already just really grabbed me. The chapter I'm reading right now is all about bears and uh, they call them like nuisance bears and how bears will break into houses like in Aspen, Colorado. And apparently bears are so agile that they can open doors. They can pop your window out of the frame. They can go into your house, open the refrigerator, um, and then open the like door handles that are like levers that go up and down. They're actually against building code in Aspen because they call them bear handles because bears can open those doors so easily, mm. which happens to be the type of handles we have on our house. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important that you um, like make it an unpleasant experience for them because once they realize that like getting into a house is super easy calories, yeah, they will do it again and again. And then like sows, the moms will teach their bear cubs how to do it. <laughs> and because like when they're getting ready to yes. hibernate for winter, yes. they're trying to pack on as many yes. calories as possible with as little energy as possible. So yeah. like, yeah, I mean like it's almost like you can't blame them, no. but you're also yeah. like. You can't do this. It's, bears. it's this or it's fish salmon out of a river. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, in, or you can go into a house and slam a pint of Hagen dazs. <laughs> they won't touch the off brand stuff. <laughs> but anyway, I just love her style of writing. I think she is incredibly curious and she does a great job of uh, really immersing herself um, in the books that she's writing. Like, she goes to the places and like for the book Bonk, she and her husband had sex in a um, uh, like getting a CAT scan or like an MRI. One of those scanning machines. Yes. Yeah. Like they were the first couple to ever do that in one of those machines so they could see like what it looks like on the inside. I'm like, that is dedication. Her dedicated husband. Yeah. Yeah. I could just talk about Mary Roach books all the time. I just think she's so fantastic. So funny. And then also when you finish your, her books – You've learned a lot of really interesting things that you didn't even know you didn't know. Mm. So, Mary That's Roach, great. I would love to hang out with her. Like, I would just, I bet she's a fascinating, interesting person. Yeah. So, Mary Roach. Excellent. There you go. Well, that was an excellent Jordan recommendation. So, I'm going to give <laughs> you a Keeling recommendation. Oh, Cheetos? <laughs> it's more conceptual than that. Mm. So, this was an Crying. episode... <laughs> What does it say that your two guesses are Cheetos and crying? <laughs> Laughing? Sarcasm. You're going to guess sarcasm. Oh, sarcasm. Cool. Cool. So in this episode, one of the big problems that Dave and Lisa had was that they were not communicating well. Mm-hmm. It was very clear that they um, did not understand what the other person was thinking or wanted or needed, mm-hmm. or they were not taking that into account. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to recommend checking in with your significant other or romantic Mm. partner. Yeah. Husband, wife, spouse, lover. (laughs) 
So, Kaylin and I have mentioned that we have gone to couples counseling over the years. We had a therapist that we really, really liked. She has Mm -hmm. been a huge help to us. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen her much lately due to the pandemic and other things, but um, one of the tools she gave us that we really like is the check-in for couples, which I guess I could post online if people are interested. The set of questions that we use, Okay, I will have to look. I'll have to look up the list. I'll just run through yeah. describing the list really quickly. Okay, so the list that we got from our therapist was five minutes of talking while the other person listens, then switch. The first thing you do is give an appreciation of your partner or the relationship. Then you talk about what puzzles you right now. Then you offer new information that your partner might not know about. You talk about worries and concerns. Then you offer some requests for change. So if you'd like your partner to do something differently or start doing something or stop doing something. And then you end with a hope for the future. So what do I want from our relationship? What, do, what am I looking forward to? And then what we do is typically paraphrase. So I'm hearing you say, blah, blah, blah. Is that right? Um, and that's just making sure that I'm actually picking up what Keeling is laying down or vice versa. But we actually added in that part because... You're when, right. When we started doing it, one of us would go through and share, and then the other person would go through and share, and then we were realizing that sometimes what we were communicating with the other wasn't what they were interpreting. Or we just weren't remembering what the other person yeah. said, and having to say yeah. it back is helpful. Yeah, and but in your own words. And so we started paraphrasing, and that was incredibly helpful. So I think this list ultimately comes from the Gottmans. Okay. Um, I, I have not dug into the internet to see if that's accurate. But um, John Gottman and his spouse are very good at, you know, helping couples and getting them to communicate effectively, things like that. So, yeah, we've done this. I mean, we've been doing it off and on for probably five, six years. Yeah, that's probably Um, true. You know, sometimes we'll go six months without doing it, and sometimes we'll do it, you know, (laughs) three or four times in a month or two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just a really useful thing to do. We talked we talked two nights ago and had a check-in. And we always think like, okay, well, let's just touch base and make sure <laughs> everything's okay. And then we end up talking for an hour and a half. Well, you're still my best friend. I know. It's just nice. You're my favorite person to talk to. And like when you have small children and you're just getting through the machinery of life, um, you know, all the relationships in our family between ourselves and our children and things like that. I feel like sometimes the relationship between the two of us and and also you and I are both really independent people. We really like our alone time, which Mm -hmm. I appreciate about our relationship because there are some couples I think that struggle with that, but like we're both quite happy to go off on our own and do our own things. But then our own relationship sometimes goes, goes to the bottom of the, uh, importance ladder. So yeah, definitely. So yeah, this is a good habit that we have incorporated into our marriage. Um, I like having the structure of it. Mm -hmm. I like, if you said to me like, Hey, sit down and check in with Kayleen for an hour. I mean, we could talk for an hour. I don't know how productive that conversation would be. And I don't know that I, I like that I have permission to do things like 
offer requests for change or say like, this mm-hmm. is puzzling me right now. So I like this structure. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch of other versions that you can look at online to get something like this. The other thing that we sometimes do haven't done in a while is do three questions right before bed just to like oh, yeah. check in and like, Hey, what was your day? Like <laughs> what, <laughs> did we, what did we do? High point of the day? Yep. What was your highlight of the day? What's your appreciation of the other person? And then what do you need or want right now? Yeah. And often we were literally doing this in the dark while we were starting to fall asleep. So often our, what do you want was like, I want to fall asleep. (laughs) And it was like, I appreciate you doing the dishes. Uh, My high point was dinner. (laughs) My high point was dinner and I I need to go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) So. But like, you know. That works too. That's okay. Yeah. So checking in with your spouse. Why is that a Kayleen recommendation? It's kind of abstract. I guess so. And relational. Hmm. Whereas yours is like literally an author. An author. Yeah. Yeah. So now is the point where we rate the episode. Kayleen, on a scale of one to five black (laughs) brassiers. I should say that when we first watched the episode together, uh, Lisa stormed in and took off her shirt and threw it at Dave and started walking out of the office and Kaylee and goes, I bet you like that. <laughs> well, am I wrong? You love it. I didn't. You love it. Love it. I don't want to be gross. I'm not being gross. She's an actress. It's a character. She's a woman in a bra. It's. He likes a woman in a bra. <laughs> homina, homina. <laughs> Black bra. So on a scale from one to five, black brassiers. Black brassiers. I'm going to say 3.8. Mm. I liked this one. I guess I'll, I'll give it a four. I'll give it a four. This was a good one. Oh, okay. Part of why I liked it, honestly, is that they broke up. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope it sticks. Oh, God. It just occurred to me that like maybe the next two episodes are going to be like broody. Oh, God. I mean, how broody is this show ever going to be? (laughs) I don't know. All right. We'll see. Great. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 3.5. I like this episode. It's not my favorite. It doesn't make me laugh super hard. Um, I do like the Dave and Lisa relationship stuff, but it's not, you know, hilarious. So, um, yeah, 3.5 sounds about right. Okay, for next time, we will be talking about Season 2, Episode 18, entitled Led Zeppelin. So if you hadn't guessed the titles. (laughs) (laughs) Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Got it. We've got four episodes left in the season. Oh, God. I know that I have not been perfectly consistent putting out the episodes. Um, We're busy. We're busy. I would love to get one episode out a week. Um, we do our best. We do our best. So we might take a short break at the end of the season after we do the wrap-up and all that and build up a little bit of a backlog so we can <laughs> actually have reserve and be able to put one out every week. The thing I like about podcasts, though, is very few people like start listening the second you put out the first episode and listen to you every single week. I'm not. I'm sure some people do, sure. and like I look forward to episodes coming out. Absolutely. But I also have plenty of podcasts that I find, and they've already done three seasons, you know? Mm-hmm. They've been putting it out for a year and a half. Oh, and, like, does it matter to me back. that it didn't come out every sure. single week? No, they have a backlog, so mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. All right, anything else? Let's go to bed. <laughs> lava. Lava. Come to bed, <laughs> lava. You want to see my black brassiere? You're wearing pajamas, and you know it. I'm, I'm wearing a... No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs>
For WKJP News Radio, this is Jordan and Kayleen signing off. The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song You Say But You Don't Know by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJPPod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email us at WKJPPod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening. WKJP News Radio. This is Jordan and Kayleen signing off.